and welcome to the RSM Podcast, part of Rock Solid Ministries. If you're not familiar with Rock Solid Ministries, please visit our website, www.rocksolidministries.org. I'm your host today, Greg Strickland. This is the third of a three-part series from some old radio programs that I did back in 2012 on the subject of grief. If you haven't listened to the first two parts, I sure encourage you to go back and do that so you know a little bit of the backstory and where we're coming from. But we pray that these will minister to you if you are going through grief or if you know someone who is going through grief. And if neither of those things catch you, they sometime will because we all encounter grief and know people who are grieving. So I hope this blesses you. Listen to part three of our series on grief. In our first message from the Job series, we talked about how uh, sometimes the things that we go through are difficult circumstances in life are because of choices that we make. Mm-hmm. We do things that are wrong. We do things that are dumb. And so we suffer the consequences. And we all get that and understand that as, as painful as that might be. Another reason that we suffer is because of somebody else's choices. And it's something that we can't control. And when that happens, then, well, you tell us what the emotions are. Oh, there's that anger creeping up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very intense anger uh, throughout the legal process of the man who hit us. He was not remorseful at all. He expressed anger toward us for being in the wrong place at the wrong mm-hmm. time. Uh, he was... He he was an interesting character. During I went to every court proceeding that there was. There were you know check ins and and hey this is where we are in the trial and all this stuff. And he would smirk at me in the courtroom. He would turn around and stare. He it felt like he was trying to put me in my place mm. because I had screwed up his life. You know he was facing some jail time because of his choices. But it was my fault because I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And that that was extremely difficult for me to get past because I could not imagine taking the life of someone and not being sorry for it, not having remorse for it. And he showed none. If there was any, I did not know anything about it because he, he was... Wow. I mean, it, it's unfathomable to me how he could sit there and stare at me and smirk at me and just, it was like he was rubbing it in mm. that he wasn't going to have to suffer for this. He thought. This was the area for Maria that for sure was the most confusing um, in dealing with this individual. Um, not that we dealt with him, but just having to interact at, at mm-hmm. certain things. And um, I wasn't sure that forgiveness was something that she would really ever be able to do. And then for me, and I shouldn't, I don't know if I can explain even where I was at, but I, from the beginning, I just kind of, I didn't think much about that. I just never was that angry. I, I mean, I obviously had questions about what on earth was going on. And, and I did sure didn't like how he reacted at the accident site and didn't like how, he, but for me, it was like, he's, he's his own person. I don't, I'm not going to try to figure that out, but that's me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot easier of a deal for me. Uh, than it is Maria. And so this is an area that we, uh, we butted heads. We did. I mean, because there'd be times where I'm like, I, I don't care. 
I wanted him to go with me to all the mm-hmm. court hearings and all the court appearances, and he wouldn't. He didn't mm. want to. And so the only time he would go is if it fell during his planning period, he would say, okay, I can go for a little while. And that was only to appease me because we were butting heads so badly mm. on this. But, yeah, like it was it's, – it's an interesting time for us at this point for sure. And I, I didn't want to be a part of the process either, the legal process. That just mm-hmm. – I'm so non-controversial that – I, I didn't want to have to even interact in a way where, with this individual. And, and, and I wanted to know every single word that was spoken. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's just – we just handled it completely differently. Yeah. And so, uh, now, you know, you've both grown up in the church. You know what Jesus says about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to forgive. Um, so – was that a struggle for you to know that God says you have to forgive? And this, what I'm sure was an incredible uh, drive within your soul that I am not going to forgive this. I can't forgive this. Was that a huge conflict for you? I felt like that for a year and a half after the accident. Mm -hmm. I was not, and I read my sentencing speech last night just to kind of refresh get myself back into how I was feeling at that time, which you have to remember the sentencing happened on the one year anniversary of the accident by chance Mm, or by divine (laughs) intervention. However you want to see it. Mm -hmm. Um, it was the exact Thursday a year before that the accident had happened that we're sitting in the courtroom with him as he's being told what his punishment's going to be. And on that day I told him, I said, I will not forgive you today. Hopefully someday I can, but it's not happening today. Mm. I was I was very, very angry. And a testament to the kind of guy that Nate is, he sits up there and apologizes to the guy for yelling at him at the accident because he was yelling at him saying, mm. he's not breathing. And uh, no, we won't say. I did not <laughs> cuss. He What's did that? not cuss. <laughs> but he, I mean, he, what are you thinking? You know, that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And Nate apologizes to the guy. And I'm sitting there fuming mad. I'm like, mm. you know, he's quite the man for doing that, but I was not going to do that. Yeah. And I let the man know that I was not going to do that. I was, I was, I was not going to forgive him that day. And even his apology statement to us seemed nonchalant. I mean, he, he didn't really look us in the eye, kind of waved his hand every once in a while. He was reading from a piece of paper. I mean, he didn't Mm -hmm. care. Mm -hmm. It was not, he, he did not show remorse Mm -hmm. and that's, it's hard to forgive someone when they don't care what they did. It is really hard. I think that's the, the most difficult person to forgive. Yeah. And I remember that day, uh, Nate, and that was, that was, to me, that was so powerful, uh, that in, in your grief and, and where everybody was in all this, that you were thinking about your actions and how you could have done better. Let me put a little background into that though, too. It wasn't just a spur of the moment type thing. We were, we were at the, this goes back to the hospital, uh, being with uh, Chaz, and we were talking to a uh, chaplain. And I said, well, if I got the chance, I was not very nice. I was yelling at this guy. And I mean, we're over top of Chaz at this point. I said, if I ever get the chance to apologize for my actions, what, no matter what his were, mm-hmm. mine wasn't right. I didn't handle that. I mean, I'm in a crazy situation, sure, but I still didn't handle it right. I want to be able to apologize to him. And so that's... I took that opportunity. I mean, that was 
that was a year long ordeal that um, I I guess I could have went up to him at some of the hearings that we saw him at and told him that then, but uh, I wasn't ready. It wasn't a, a situation that he had, would have just sat and listened to like he had to whenever. Um, but I meant it because I, I had said I wanted to do that while over or over Taz and that I needed to do that for myself mm-hmm. um, because I felt like I wasn't exactly well behaved at that moment and, and nobody <laughs> cares that I wasn't I mean I understand that but mm-hmm. it was just uh, an expectation that I have of myself and and so that's what led to that and um, I didn't expect it to be taken the way it was as and but it just was me well that was your opportunity for him to have to hear you out right mm-hmm. because when it came time when I felt it was ready for me to forgive him I didn't have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't listen. Yeah. He refused to see me. Yeah. So tell us about that day. You guys ended up, and uh, he ended up uh, spending some time in jail. He did. Um, thankfully, we did not have to go through the trial. Um, an ex-girlfriend uh, came forward and... Um, with some information. With, and... with some information in the statement that he finally said, okay, 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 I'll plead guilty. And because he was going to make us go through a trial. He did not want to have to suffer the consequences. And... So it was September. He had gone at, it, it's ironic. He, let's see, the, the Thursday that the accident happened a year before was the sentencing. And he actually went into jail on May 3rd, which is the day of the accident. Mm. And so he was going to spend his year in jail from May 3rd to May 2nd. And in September, he had he had lost his work release because of some behavior choices and so I knew he would have to be there. He would have to be there. And I called the, the jail and I said, I, I really want to come talk to this guy. And they said, we're sorry you can't. We have special visitation days and this is not one of them. And I said, I don't think you understand. Mm. And they said, well, what are you talking about? And so I ex- short-storied it and told them who I was. And they said, okay, what time would you like to come? And they made a special mm. appointment for me. And they went and told him. They said, she's coming and this is what she's coming for. And, um, I was pregnant at the time. Um, one of those other blessings, uh, and was scared because I didn't want him to physically hurt me and do damage to another Mm -hmm. child. Mm -hmm. But I went to the jail. I spoke with the, the jailer and she said, okay, let me go get him and go talk to him. And she went back and she came forward or came back out front and she said, he does not want to see you. He knows why you're here, and he still refuses to see you. Mm. This just tells you what kind of man he is. Mm. And she went on to elaborate a little bit. Um, but we had purchased him a Bible, a devotional Bible. And I simply asked her for a piece of paper. I wrote on it his name and said, I forgive you, and signed my name and stuck it in the Bible and gave it to her. And I said, this is for him. I would like you to please um, either read the note to him or make sure that he reads it. If he chooses to take the Bible, fabulous. If he doesn't, please give it to someone who'll use it. Mm-hmm. Because after having talked to her, um, I wasn't sure that he would be receptive to mm-hmm. to anything at all. Wow. So now, how did tell us about the process of getting to that point that day? How did you how did you arrive at that that you were able to say I forgive you? I think it was a lot of it was just a time factor. The healing, um, you know, as they time heals all wounds. Well, it time did heal, but I was doing a lot of soul searching 
during that time too. And, and hearing Nate talk and we talked about it a lot about the forgiveness. And I just, you know, from May to September was a big growth period for me Hmm. because if you had seen me on the stand in May and the way I was acting and the way I was talking to him, you would not have said this woman is going to forgive him in September. (laughs) I mean, it was, it was a God thing because Mm. I, I don't, I knew that I needed to get through that healing process and I knew that I wanted, I didn't want to have all these bitter feelings when our new baby was born. And so I knew that through Mm. prayer and devotion and through just simply getting through it, I had to forgive this man before she came. I Mm. knew I had to. As we've been talking, I am reminded of a song that I want to play for our listeners today. Here is I Will Trust in You by my friends New Fire. I've trusted in things that promise more than they could give, and I was wrong. I've tried to be. Strong enough to face the fear in me, but all along you were here, and you're still here. So when I don't understand the moving of your hand, I will trust.
understand the moving of your hand. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. When my world is broken down and I can't see where you are, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. Oh, and I don't understand. Here's where the shoe gets on the other foot, and I'll come back around to why that's important here in a minute. But our family went through a time of of grief and and trouble and and real trial, and then uh, you guys were those friends, you know, that we could come to and that we could spout off whatever we wanted to, and there <laughs> and did. You may, yeah, I remember probably a lot of those conversations, but uh, and we were you know, glad to be able to do that yeah. too. And I know as a as a sufferer, uh, like like Nate said, sometimes you just don't want to get out of bed, and you don't want to. Uh, at least for me, this is how I grieved. I didn't want to be around people. I don't care whether they were nice to me or not. I just wanted just to go away. Uh, but one thing that I learned uh, in that in the forgiveness department is that even when you come to the place where you say, um, "I forgive this person." And I'm not, which, you know, I'm not holding anything against them. I'm not looking for them to come back and present me with anything to ease my pain. I don't want any financial gain. I don't want any material things. They, I'm, they're off the hook for me emotionally. They don't have to say that they're sorry. They don't, I don't need anything from them. Um, that's not just one day. Mm-mm. That's, uh, you know, I came to that day and I thought that that was one day. But then I realized, you know, six months later, wait a minute, I need to have that day again. And I think that's something that as a church we don't often tell people is that forgiveness is not necessarily a one-time event. When it's something huge in your life, it may be a thing that you have to go to over and over and over. Absolutely. You've seen that in your your struggle here? Oh, yes. September was the first time that I felt like I could tell him I forgave him, but I have had to forgive him <laughs> countless times mm-hmm. since then. Mm-hmm. And it does, you, you, you don't get to just forgive somebody once and it goes away. Yeah. Unfortunately, you have to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. And it does get easier through time, mm-hmm. but... You know, I know that that first time I had to do it again, I was like, oh, I thought I already took care of this. And, you know, that's in, as you mentioned, that's not just in our situation, your situation, but even little things. Mm-hmm. That you have to keep forgiving your spouse for doing those annoying things over and over and over and yes, over. Yes, you do. <laughs> not that you guys would know that no. part from experience. But uh, the, the, um, 
you know, you're right because we we tend to dredge those things back up that we thought mm-hmm. were were gone in the, in the past, and it just goes back, I think, to Jesus' words in Luke chapter nine, verse twenty three, when he says, "If any man would come after me, he must take up his cross." Uh, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, mm-hmm. and follow me. And I think that means that um, there is something within us that will continue to rise up and change our perspective if we don't kill it every day. Right. And um, Yeah, I was always impressed by you, Greg, six months to a year into it when you wouldn't talk about it anymore. I'd want to chat about your situation with you and <laughs> give you some more scoop or something. And, and you're like, no, I just, you just kind of took it and, and you didn't let it become something. And, and I had to, I took that as a, a good witness for me. To, mm. You know, we don't have to make something out of this more than what it is. Awesome. Well, I've really appreciated you guys being here uh, yeah, it's been and sharing fun. with us. It's been good. It's been fun. I don't know if it's been fun. It's been enjoyable. Yeah, it's uh, you know, uh, there's always some some difficulty and and some emotions that well back up when you when you rehash the story again. But I, I know uh, you've spoken uh, for us at church before, Maria, and and I know you've you've done that kind of thing different places. And I feel like that every time you guys share something like that, that you have added value to Chaz's short life. Absolutely. That there's, you know, he he has accomplished more with his story of, mm-hmm. you know, three weeks that probably a lot of a lot of us do in a lifetime. Yeah, that's and, right. Well, and, how can I call myself a follower of Christ if I'm not taking my experiences mm-hmm. and putting them out there so someone else can learn from them, be it in a grief situation or just watching from afar? Because that's what we're called to do. We're called to walk alongside each mm-hmm. other. And and if I don't put myself out there, then that's not going to happen. And that's not fair to the people who I come in contact with every day. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us today on the RSM podcast. We hope you'll be back with us next time when we interview some more exciting guests. And as our director, Brother Tom Weaver, would say, may God pour out his blessings on you like a Mississippi rain.